Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Arsenal are walking in a winter wonderland. What a turnaround! He's come up with it. The Scorpion touch. Olivier Giroud. When you saw Mkhitaryan do it, he said we'd never see it again. Hi, and that's just the way it is, right? I just had to play that Tupac song um, <laughs> to start the podcast because basically the truth is some things never change. We have a new manager um, and then we still do a football game and pretty much we still can't uh, keep a clean sheet um familiar troubles are still there so so Tupac that's the way it is some things just don't change hi and welcome to the Canon Kester Arsenal podcast I hope you're having a good evening considering how uh evening because I'm recording in the evening but if you're if you're listening to this in the morning I, I hope you're having a good day as well uh considering the results that we just uh, had against Norwich away from home we are still yet to win a game in about eight Premier League games, I think. So it's a bit of a struggle for Arsenal. And um, and just, just watching the game and seeing that uh, a lot of the issues that we've noticed throughout this season still exist um, starts to give you a little bit of doubt. So I just felt uh, we could record a podcast to just uh, analyze or just have an opinion on what we have seen um, from Freddie Jumberg's first game in charge without obviously overreacting to what we have seen, but um, it's, just, it's just good to to have a take on on, on what we watched. And to, to, to join me or recording this podcast with me is Damola at Mastermind1808 on Twitter. Hi, Damola. Hi, Simon. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm not sad. I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, I'm like, whatever. I'm tired. It, oh yeah, you know, I was listening to Amy Lawrence, right? And then she goes that the 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 that it's worse. There's love that the worst thing that can happen to a football club is not hate; it's apathy. And yep. that you either love the club, you hate the club, or you have apathy. And that the worst thing that can happen is apathy. And I think that's where a lot of us are. That um, it's it's a it's happened for a long time and then it's now it's gotten to a point where uh, you don't feel angry anymore which is which is actually a worse thing than when you feel angry that kind of thing so i guess that's what you're saying as well where you're you're settling into this into this you're accepting the states that we are and you're just becoming indifferent i guess yes i guess this is how mediocrity always seeps into the fabric of any institution when yeah. the consumers point where they're like, you know what? Okay, we do. Okay, we go again on Tuesday. It's it's. Uh, but hopefully, this man can fix it. That you find somebody else who can. Yeah. So where do you draw the line between I'm allowed to express emotion about this game without um, it seeming like I'm overreacting 
and then we go again. How, how do you marry that? If you want to be like a, a reasonable, decent fan. Okay, so the, the thing is, I, I think that anybody that overreacts today needs to calm down a bit because, I mean, the man has basically had, what, 48 hours to get his ideas across. So I, I, I feel like today and on Tuesday, he gets, hmm. a, he gets, a, free, he gets a free pass in, in that it, you don't just take over in 48 hours and expect that, you know, the players all of a sudden immediately buy into your ideas. I don't think mm-hmm. it's ever that I don't think it's ever that instant. So of course there are a few things I saw today that were concerning and I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. into that. But I mean yeah. he gets gets a free pass. Even though I mean I could flag like five things he did that I can immediately question. But he gets a free yeah. pass today and he gets a free pass on, on Tuesday. But the problem is that for him is that this is basically an audition for him. So if it doesn't go well on Tuesday almost sure that's true. He doesn't get this job on a on a permanent basis. He will just be the interim manager for maybe two or three weeks, and then we move on to somebody else. I think it. I think it's actually very clear to him that he he's he's not the long term um, the long term uh, pick for this job, uh, except he puts up some Oliguna Soja type of run. Um, but like maybe I was saving it till the end of the podcast, but we could just talk about it now since we're already here. When you say that um, he gets a free pass, which I also think he should get um, because it's his first training session, um, how do you marry that with the point that he's been in the club, he's been uh, with Unai for since the start of the season, so he's watched the game from he's watched the players on in the training ground. He's had first-hand on-the-pitch experience of everything that has gone wrong. So can you really say that it is his... It's, yes, so it's his first input into um, um, having direct input as to, uh, as to the, the, what happened in the game. But can you excuse him for not acknowledging the problems that we all knew um, are pertinent with what we have seen throughout this season and not doing enough to resolve those issues in the game that we just watched. So let's even let's let's operate on the assumption that he's some sort of genius and he has obviously identified the problems that we all can see. Because if there's anything I've, I've learned about this manager recently is that the mere fact that we at home can sit down and identify issues, it seems like I mean I've been saying this since Asawenga. We see something that it seems like these managers that are paid millions of dollars, millions of pounds to see it, they don't see it. But mm. even if you can claim that he's been at the club long enough for him to have seen the issue, I'm saying that I still don't think 48 hours is long enough for you to fix it. I, mm. I, I mean, you you did think of it. If, if, if we're saying we have a defensive, do you think two training sessions or maybe a maximum of three training sessions is enough to fix defensive lapses? I don't think so. I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, I, I think I, that I, I, the organization and um, how to who to track when when to hold the high line, when to drop back. I, I think it will take multiple training sessions for you to even begin to correct such kinds of anomalies. So again, as I said, um, no jokes. I mean, let me just even say this straight up. 
I was asking a, a friend a couple of months ago that can you name any football manager, any popular football manager that is doing very well, right? That is not from a footballing country, like a proper footballing country. Like what I mean is um, Spain, Germany, um, England, um, who? France, um, Portugal. Do you get what I mean? Can you name mm-hmm. an, an, an elite football club? I'm coach from a from a minority, like you know, um, where's um social from? Um, where's no, Norway, 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 I think. Norway, Norwegian, you know, Norwegian. Um, um, Lundberg is what Swedish. Can you name yeah. any? Can you name any manager that I can see is doing very well? That's not from a footballing country. Can you think of one? Well, you, the, the options are limited. The options, the options are limited because naturally, um, you've called the players. You've called when you say footballing country. You've called all the the big leagues, right? And the big leagues will always produce the best managers. So the options are naturally just limited. If that's the angle that you want why, to look at it from. Why, if you say the big country produces the best? the best footballers, I would say yes. Why do they have to produce the best managers? Why do they have to produce well, the best managers? Well, okay, we can have that. We can have that. That's a, like a long conversation that we can have as well, right? But, but let's just go. Let's just, Because you made a point about the defense, and I think I was going to ask you a question. The first, I was going to start with, um, I was going to start with a question on why you think the club, uh, made Per Metasaka the, the person to help um, Jumberg during this transition period. Because Jumberg obviously is someone that uh, was an attacker and his, his under-23 teams were really good attacking teams as well. And um, the club realizes that the problem that we've had is in defending at least this season. And then they get a defender to come assist uh, Jumberg. Um, is that the thinking that you? Uh, is that the thinking behind why you think why why the club did it, or you you think this is for another reason, like maybe getting the players together, a big figure, or that kind of thing? What do you think was the thinking behind getting Permatosaka to help? I think that primarily, primarily, yes, the fact that he's a defender must have been part of the thing. Just um, same way um, Steve Bold was um, a defender in his playing days. And he was, you know, mm. supposed to be um coach for a while. I think that yes, I think that there's there's some thinking behind, okay, you organize the attack, let me do the defense. I mean, we don't exactly know if that is how it works. We don't know if Lundberg takes charge of the attacking part of training and then he allows a a defensive-minded person take assistant coaching in, in this case, take the defensive um part of the training. But I, I think that 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 must be part of the thinking. But another thing is. I don't know if there's a concerted effort from the Arsenal management to to have somebody in the assistant manager, assistant head coach capacity who is very aware of what is happening in the in the um, developmental um, yes no what I mean in the developmental in our, in our de- de- developmental teams the under oh, okay, the, yeah. the because you think of the fact that even Lundberg used to be, um, he, before he did that, that whatever swap that he did with Steve Bold, 
He used to yeah. be in charge of the twenty-threes, I think. So I think that there is yeah. a concerted effort to make sure that um, the the somebody has somebody that has the ear of the head coach also has an idea of what is happening in the in our in in our um, developmental team, so that you, you can bring. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I guess long term is a way to make sure that you develop your own talent and recommend the guys that are ready to break into the first team. Rather than mm. just you know all the bye 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 bye, so I'm sure that that's also part of the thinking. Somebody that has an idea of what is happening, and somebody that is very comfortable with the younger guys and can you know help to bring them into into the team. But going beyond that, I, I've always thought that because Matisaka was not exactly gifted with, I mean he's he's overly tall. I mean even though centre backs are supposed to be tall, he's a bit too tall. I mean I think he's like six six or six seven. Then, yeah. but he, he, he hardly did ever see Metisaka get caught out of position. So, I mean, that shows that yeah. I've always thought that one thing, if you can, if you can position yourself very well, then you are in a better position to teach other people how to, how to position themselves in such kinds of situations. So I've always been of the mm. opinion that Metisaka will make, if you make a good coach, maybe I've never thought of him as a manager because um, I do not know if he, I, I cannot recall him in press conferences or any of those other, um, you know, things that make that differentiates between like a first team coach and a head coach or a manager. Do you get? Mm. But Abel Betsaka has what it takes to make the jump to to a, a coaching position proper, like maybe first team coach or even head coach at some point. So I guess having him as Lundberg's right hand man is not is something that should help us for as long as this interim period will um, last. Great. I, th- I, think, I think that's really great feedback as well. And um, I, I agree with you on, on the on the Permatosaka thing. I actually, if you'd have asked me who would make a better coach of the two, I would have actually say Metasaka. Um, from the fact that yes, like you, you talked about um, positionally, his his sound with uh, with the defense, and I actually do think he he does man management really very well. That was one of his key assets as a as a captain. He was a really really great captain for for Arsenal, and it wasn't it wasn't because it wasn't because of he no it wasn't because he was the best player on the pitch, but he was the he was the best collective man manager of the squad. And that's why a lot of people um, respect him at the club, obviously, and that's why the, the club kept him kept him um, within their coffers. I mean, I, 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 you've known me long enough to know that I like to stereotype things a lot in football, right? Like, you know, that my yeah. real, that my fifty-five-year-old managers just sack them, right? I yeah. think that I cannot, I cannot name a football manager. I cannot name a. Can you name any any current successful football manager that used to be a striker? Let's be forward player. Any current Zidane? Was it Zidane? That was the same. Zidane? He's yeah. not a okay, so you mean like a striker, right? Striker. Inzaghi tried at AC Milan and failed. Uh, Thierry Henry failed as well. Yeah, uh, MLS now, I think. Yeah. So I was listening to I was listening to to Lee Dixon uh, as well, and then he said that when when he was asked about Jumberg, I think I think this was on EPL TV, and then he goes and then, and then he goes 
um, Jumberg as a player was someone who only focused on what he was supposed to do on the pitch. So he he was he was um, so he as an attacker he only focused on attacking responsibility and never used to um, think of what defenders used to do. So he doesn't know how much Jumberg would have translated into the defensive mentality as a coach. When exactly. I listened to Jumberg, yes. when I listened to Jumberg's interview yesterday, actually with with Arsenal Arsenal TV. He, he, the, the same question was posed to him uh, about his focus on attacking, and then he said that um, during the one of the, his under twenty three seasons, that he remembers that there was a spell where he kept five clean sheets out of six as well. So people should stop stereotyping him as a as an attacking minded person completely. So he as well, he's he's very um, conscious of the fact that because he was a good forward and he likes attacking football that people would think he would not pay attention to to defend him. And um, so he, he's aware of it. That's the point I'm trying to make. In, in general, right, somebody was of the opinion that, I mean, this, this I heard a few years ago, somebody was of the opinion that the reason why it seems like defenders and holding midfielders make better managers or better coaches mm. than attack-minded players, they always see the pitch in front of them. They are always... Yeah. Almost behind the play so they can see how things develop and even when they lose the ball the, your positioning matters in that okay how do I cover this space how do I go into position how do I but attacking players are they are more passive they are more let me just hang on the shoulder of my of the last defender let me just get into position so I could dribble so the, the thinking is different the thinking is different yeah. and of course I guess Lumberg would be a good. I mean, look look at social the striker fumbling in um fumbling in Manchester United as good a player as he was. It just seems like defensive minded players make that jump to coaching. I mean, I think mm. Pep Guardiola was a defensive midfielder, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I I I feel like defensive minded players make that jump to manager better than you know attacking minded players but i mean we'll see we'll see we'll have enough data yeah, we'll see uh, just while you were talking uh uh, uh it's just according to me you and croft is an attacker that became a very good manager do, do you see how far how many decades <laughs> <laughs> when i mentioned that thing about 55 year old managers and somebody says Sal Alex Ferguson, yeah. I'm like, really? Or Joe Panikis, I'm like, really? Those people retired, like, how many? <laughs> okay, okay, let's talk about let's talk about the game, because I just kept thinking, I'm like, there's no way you tell me there's no attacking manager that's been good. And I just kept, kept thinking, and I remembered you and Croft. Thankfully, thankfully, I heard you and Croft's name um, yesterday on the podcast I was listening to, so it was still fresh in my head, yeah. Yeah. The fact that you had to do right, so, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the game. What did you what did you expect to see with the lineup, given everything that happened and the public nature of what the issues are at Arsenal? Before we talk about um, your thoughts on the lineup exactly, what were you expecting to see? I was expecting to see a balanced team. That was the first thing that put me off about that, about that when I saw the lineup. lineup. I, yeah. I expected to see balanced team. And first of all, I was happy not to see any of that nonsense, three at the back or five at the back or whatever when Emery was doing in the last few weeks of his um, tenure. But 
I was expecting yeah. to see a more balanced team than I ended up seeing. Because I swear that that team looked like if if you were out of the loop for the past four days and you saw that lineup for today's game, you would have been excused if you thought that it was an Una Emery team. It, it looked exactly. like the kind of thing that um, three three holding midfielders, um, three holding three holding midfielders, two strikers, one attacking midfielder. So I I, I mean, first thing I thought was the the first thing I wanted to see him get right was the balance. And yeah. I don't know if I'm into this too quickly, but I'm saying that I feel like people people need to look at patterns a lot in football. Not everybody can be a trailblazer. How often, mm. how often, how many teams currently go around playing two out and out strikers? Like two out and out strikers. You don't see often. Mm. Do you? I'm not saying that, no, you don't. You don't. I'm not saying that, you know, there, there are people that I remember when Leicester won the league using um, Jamie Hardy and um, what was his name? Shinji Okazaki. But, Okazaki. <clears throat> That is, ne- is not, the, I mean, it's center forward on paper. In reality, mm. that is a BCN because all he does is run up and down. I mean, you get what I mean. So, yeah. this idea of three Arsenal managers trying to show on two strikers into the 11, it, it, it just makes our entire team unbalanced, especially away from home. I, 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 but I guess. We'll come to that. We'll come to that later on in the pod, I think. But I, the first thing that struck me was that you know I was attempting to see some, some sort of balance, and I didn't think that that lineup today had any had any balance. So I mean, right from the from the kickoff, we're already at a disadvantage. Yeah, because that was the whole um, the whole trend on on Twitter when the lineup. So the lineup was really everybody was expecting the lineup. It was obviously because it was the first time that that uh, we're going to see a Freddy lineup, and everybody was expecting that because um, the issues are just public knowledge, right? And Una, Emery, Una Emery's lineups had always created animosity on with, with the with, uh, with lots of people on, on social media. They, you expected that um, there was this expectation uh, that uh, for for what Freddie was going to do, what the first thing he was going to do, because it, it would it would have given a sign as to if he acknowledged the problems that existed before he took over. However, there's something significant about the lineup. If you look at the, if you remove the fact that it it, it, it was an unbalanced team, the fact that he brought Shaka back into the squad, the starting eleven, I think was significant. The fact that he started with Mustafi is significant. I think this, the fact that he brought Kolasinac into the team is significant. The fact that he played Meso Ozil away from home and he's starting in his first game, I think is significant as well. And so what would you make of the fact that that he brought back players that um, seem to have been falling away with, with Unai and trusted them to start his first game? Just before, just before I, I saw and his his pre-game pre-game interview, and he said, because um, the, the 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 journalist asked him that um um Jaka back in Mustafi back in, and he says um this is me. It's a fresh start for everybody. That that you know, yeah. I, I have no, I have no bias against everybody anybody. I think I selected the best team I thought I could select without any bias because if you think of it um 
playing um playing or not playing Jaka is a sentimental decision. And the thing is, as much as everybody insults Jaka, everybody thinks, see, I agree that Jaka is almost a defensive liability. I do. I do. But I'm like, if you want to play, Jaka is still our best conduit between defense and midfield. And I'm sure that if you check stats for maybe passes into the final third, Jaka is probably still leading Arsenal, even though he had, even though Gwendozi probably has more minutes. But I'm like, I understand how everybody gets a, a fresh start. For Xhaka, bringing, bringing Xhaka back, yes, I agree. Good decision. Bringing Mustafi back. Well, considering the fact that Socrates has really bad delayed. And, and if you want to play out from the back, I think Socrates is not your guy. He's too... Yeah. He's too... Old, old. He's too... He, he looks very shaky when he receives the ball from yeah. the back. He just... He just panicked. Yeah, so... I, 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 and the thing is that he said if there was... If you had been defensively secure, you can say, okay, there's a trade-off. Okay, he's not as good on the ball, but what gives us off the ball is what um, he has not been good on the ball, and he has been a defensive liability this last couple of weeks. So I understand how it makes sense for Mustafi to get yet another chance. For Kolasinak in place of Tierney, I, I don't know. I don't know the thinking behind that, but I didn't, I didn't think that Kolasinak did badly today. So... I mean, yes, yes. Clean slate for everybody. No reason why not. Clean slate for everybody. Yeah, so I guess so that's the whole... Um, so I think the thinking behind it was the passing from the back thing because if you look at the stats for the game, and I don't know how conscious it was, but Mustafi had um, the highest... I think he passed the most. Next to him was um, Xhaka. And then after Xhaka um, went doozy, Mustafi passed, uh, had the most passes, and uh, he passed at 87%, I think. Yeah, from the stats I'm looking at, Xhaka passed at 91%, Gwendouzi passed at 91% as well. But like, Mustafi had more passes than any of them. We can say that's a bad thing if, if, if most of our passes are coming from places that are, are, are far back from where we actually want to be threatening. But it shows you why he, why he, why he did what he did. Because when he goes back now and he looks at the fact that I wanted to pass from the back, and then he's looking at the players that he brought back into the team, and they're the ones with the best, with the highest pass, pass uh, completions and uh, with high percentages in the passing passing um, range, then he, he might look at it and say, I made the right call. Yes, he, he, if you want to play out from the back, I, I, I feel like um, if, you, if you really want to play out from the back, Playing Xhaka is a no-brainer. If you want a player from the back, playing David Lewis is a no-brainer. Whether or not mm. David Lewis actually qualifies as a baller is a different matter entirely. But if you <laughs> want to play aggressive football from the back, then I think that um, Xhaka, Mustafi, and um, Xhaka, Mustafi, and Lewis are actually the, the, the triumvirate in that um, holding midfield stroke centre-back position that you should use. Whether or not the trade-off they give you, in the fact that you know they are, they are defensively suspect, whether it's their their on the ball ability makes up for that is now better for a different debate entirely. Yeah, but I, I agree that if you want to play from the back, those are the players you should use. Yeah, uh, uh, that, that that's if I think I was watching the game and I made a note. If you, I think as fans, right, we tend to focus on moments that have the either the biggest impact or cause us 
the biggest um, reasons to lose a game. So where we, we focus on moments. For coaches and people that look at data, they focus on the whole 90 minutes, the collective. So if you watch anybody who's listening to this, just go back and watch the 15th minute of the game. Two passes that Jaka made, and I'm not saying, I'm not using this as a, to excuse anything that Jaka does wrong, but there are two passes that he made. He got the ball, found one of his long, his, his this was like semi-long range. He found, uh, I can't remember exactly uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the right side. We started to transition. The ball came back to him. He went forward. The ball came back to him. Then he found um, another player close to the edge of the box. So there were two very crisp passes. Nothing came out of it. So nobody's ever going to see that. But I think that's what people that look at data and people that look at stats, that's the reason why they play him. Because they see that and they say, if anything had come out of this, this is the guy who orchestrated it from behind. So if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you can find that that 15 minutes um, um, pass, you would see why people play, why 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 Zaka is still one of the best people to use in the Arsenal midfield now, irrespective of the issues that he creates. People, people, I feel like Zaka is very misunderstood, right? In that, people consider. Jaka a, a part of our defensive setup. He's not. Mm, yeah. Like it's just it just sounds like basic basic two plus two that you know if is a if if I say he's a defensive midfielder or if I say he's a holding midfielder, then I expect to see him excelling in um tackles and interceptions. But no, what Jaka actually brings to Arsenal is more of a vertical passing stroke, attack building game part of his game that is that is the upside to his game not the the tackling or or yeah. interception part i mean I, I don't think he can ever I, i've given up on him in that aspect and the thing is I, I don't know think of it right if you if you wanted to describe jacka properly i think the world would be deep line playmaker he will not yeah. be a ball winning midfielder and th- those yeah. even though they are both same number number six position those are different kinds of responsibilities. In when mm-hmm. when in Milan's heyday, when or was it AC Milan? No, in when um, Pelo used to play holding midfield for for Juventus. Oh, you mean- Pelo won't tackle him. Pelo is not interested in tackling anybody. Pelo just wants to create chances yeah. and go home. If if mm-hmm. um, whoever was partner in centre midfield, Marquisio could not win the ball. Then and, and if he, he was never in the intercept. Good luck to you, but that's not a part of this game. People need to change that mindset. That is why I think that our, our best pairing in midfield should be Xhaka and Torreira. Let Xhaka be the uh, ball-playing midfielder. Let Torreira be a ball-winning midfielder. I, I don't think that that Xhaka Gwenduzi thing Gwenduzi. is not... I, I don't know if I should get into Gwenduzi now. Gwenduzi needs to go and rest a bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean... I don't get the Gwenduzi love. I, like, I, I understand. I, I want him to make it because, I mean, he's young. He's young. Mm. He's, he's a pro. But what exactly does Gwenduzi excel at? Yeah. He's, Bissola, he's I was talking to Bissola in the podcast and she made the same point as well. Yes, I I, I heard it too. I listened to that podcast. I'm like, um, she, 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 she doesn't, he's not excellent at tackling. He's not. I'm sure if you check the permanent stats, 
Willock probably covered more distance than he did today. I've not checked it. I'm just saying that from my own observation. Willock probably covered mm. more distance today. His shooting is not great. Mm. I mean, he has this score for us in the league. Um, so what exactly is it that all of you, or everybody that shouts about Gwendozi, why exactly are they shouting about? Like, I'm not saying he will not come good, but I'm saying that how is he one of the first names on our team sheet time and time and time again? And it's funny that you never see Gwendozi criticized on social media. I do not know why. I guess, I mean, everybody likes his, everybody likes his, his Afro Bob hair and, you know, he's beyond reproach, but I don't get it. I don't. I don't. No, no, I, I, like I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's the reason why. I think one, um, he's young, so you excuse a lot of the things that he does. Two, I think he's he's a lot he's a lot more mature than his age. People realize that as well. And I think three, the fact that he's aggressive excuses a lot of his flaws. So people like to see passionate people. You know, it's like you have a young Scott Parker. That he's giving everything. He's, you know, when you when you can recognize somebody's effort, you then but begin to excuse them. I don't understand all this passion without. Okay, yeah, passion. Yeah, you you are the first person to when they are fighting, you're the first person to the scene. I, I mean, no, he, he no, no, no it's not that. It's not that he he's aggressive with. He's like he's aggressive with how he plays. So naturally, people tend to um. Appreciate the effort that he puts in. One, one movie made in the first half where he like, where I think he ran past Puki because Puki just was I don't know what Puki was doing. I I have not seen that aggression in a while. I, I'm serious. I've not seen it. I I feel like since the, that weekend that he got that week he got called up to the the senior French team. When Lucy has been on mm. the break, he's like, okay, I'm multi blue. I'm in the big time. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I think that Gwendozi needs to go to the bench for a bit, just for a bit, just to you know rediscover his, his his mojo. Cause you know it's not it's not. I, I feel like if you if you assembled uh, our, I mean, he's not Jaka of all our midfielders. Jaka, in terms of passing, Jaka is the best. In terms of tackling, is Torreira. In terms of yeah. stamina, in terms of stamina, is Willock. Yeah. Yeah. What? Passion is not the an attribute. There's no there's no attribute on FIFA. Like that you don't get there's no attribute on FIFA that is called passion. Was, I, I mean, I don't know. It's got an attribute called passion. <laughs> the, I, I, I mean, but maybe that's just me. But I mean people need to <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. Let's talk about the goals that we, we we let's talk about the goals. So we considered first, um, unfortunately, and we considered with the first shot on, I think it was the first shot on target they had. And yeah. it, we, it, we consider at the point in the game where we were ascend, we were in the ascendancy, right? So it was a really, really emotionally hard goal to concede. And um, I just felt instantly depressed when, when we considered that goal because I felt that um, it was against the run of play and we didn't take advantage of the fact that we were actually a very pressing team um, before um, we considered so, that goal. So so what, you had, what, what are the issues with the goal? The first... Before I talk about the first goal, I feel like I need to commend Lumber for bringing back our pressing. See, yeah, I, I exactly. The pressing was there. Something a while ago on Twitter. I said, Arsenal under owner Emery, we are the only top team that we keep a high line and we don't press. I, I, I thought mm. those two things were, I thought those two things were supposed to always go hand in hand. You either, if you're a pressing team, 
if you if you want to play high line, then you press. If you don't want to mm-hmm. play high line, then you drop your defensive line. Arsenal under Emery, mm-hmm. I think that I think we tried to press for the first maybe the first ten games in charge. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. what happened, and I'm sure you must have seen this viral video of a goal we considered recently. I can't recall who against who. It was one of these minority teams that from the front, the, the Lacazette's back was even turned to the play. I'm sure you've yeah, seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I can't remember who, but I've seen it. I, I'm like, so if we're going to, um, if we're going to heal him for anything, the mere fact that, yes, he brought our pressing back, that first goal, that first goal says, in general, right, I, I think that, I, I feel like Mustafi, if you, if you, if you went, if you went by averages, right? Mustafi is a good player. He he mm. he gets to the ball in time. He wins a lot of his headers. He makes a lot of blocks. The problem is that mm. Mustafi, you can. It's the same goes for Xhaka. They are they you can they can almost guarantee you one massive lapse in constitution or lapse in judgment every game. Mm. The question is now whether or not that lapse in judgment costs you. That first game, yeah. I can't quite tell what he was doing. It was two on one. He and David Lewis on Puki. Can yeah. you close him down? Can one of you close him down? He he um Puki shimmed and I, I don't know. He was he was pointing to Chambers to cover. Uh, I mean, watch it again. He was pointing to Chambers to cover the Malafia run from somebody from somewhere. Do your basic job. Go close to him and block the shot. It, it's elementary. I don't understand it. I, yeah. I, I saw it again and I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, why can't you... He has the ball. He's the only one in the box. What does he go to other than shoot? What, go close to him. Close him down. Worst case scenario, he would... He would... Um, he would fake... He would do a fake and come to his left leg. Let him come to his mm. left leg. I, I, that, that... I feel like that goal is one of those goals where I say that I'm almost... I'm biased to absorb the coach of all blame because I'm like, you can't coach that. You can't. I mean, there's no system. You are two on one. So, I mean, the system has done its job. Close him down and win the ball. What Mustafi and David Lewis were doing, especially Mustafi, is, is I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for it. It's, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's, it's basic stuff. Close him down. Why, why give him space to shoot? I, I don't get it. I don't. I, I agree. I, I agree with you. I agree with you on the fact that um, yes, it should have. It should have closed him down. I agree with you that as well on the fact that the system did its job. However, where I have a variance is I place more blame on David Luiz than I, I than I would on, on Mustafi. And this is the, this is my thinking. When that when that play happened, right? Mustafi had run behind David Luiz. So he was uh-huh. behind David Lewis and he was raising his hand and calling for someone else. That's you know, that the, the error had already been made. So David Lewis in that instance knew that Mustafi was behind him. So there was no reason for him to be backing off anymore. He meant right. that if Mustafi had gone behind you, then you should go forward and make the tackle. And at the point where he could have made the tackle, Puki would have still been outside the box. Do you understand? Okay. So I think that's where I place I place more of more of a responsibility on David Lewis to have taken the, the initiative to actually push forward and tackle Pookie. 
rather than the whole two of them continually backing away. Because you can understand when defenders back away because they don't know who's behind them and they don't want the player to. If they go for a tackle early, the player goes past them and then everywhere there's space. But now you're conscious of the fact that you have somebody who can cover the space. So why didn't she just tackle? It, 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 I, I feel like it, it is the kind of basic error that you don't expect professionals to make at this level. I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't make that error and I've not been a professional football game my entire life. It, it, yeah. it, David Lewis doesn't think like a defender. He just thinks like, I mean, David Lewis is just there to have a party. So, I, I mean, I, I will not <laughs> say that I'm shocked that, I mean, that he, he passed on the responsibility to somebody else. But I, I feel like if either one of them had stepped off, Lewis made the first error, Mustafa had the chance to correct the error if they had closed him down properly. And then mm. both of them just, and I mean, Puki hasn't scored since maybe match week. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. he had the flurry of goal like maybe the first five or six games and it's been on a drought since then but hello i mean when you meet us now you know that miracles are going to happen for you so it's very it's very that that first goal is not the kind of and the thing is forget the first goal even the second goal it, it could have been jacques made an error he made a, a pass he shouldn't have made when Luzi lost the ball so era when people should never be able to run through you the way they ran through us like look at how much time was that his um, the goal scorer, second goal. Um, Cladwell, 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 or something. Yeah, look at how much time he had to spot. I'm yeah. like close. And the thing is that I feel like this is something that our centre backs are usually of doing generally. Um, beat Lewis, beat um, Mustafa. In fact, I think nobody more guilty of that than Socrates. Socrates and fifth Greek bravery. That never comes to the fore when you need it. <laughs> Close him down. See, when you say, see, if, if that was an Aguero, right, and you don't close him down, I'm thinking, okay, you pray that if you close him down, he might beat you and he has an easier run on goal, right? But Cladwell or Gladwell, or whatever his name is, how smart is he? How good a footballer is he? Close him down. <laughs> force, him make, force him to make a decision early. Don't, don't back off and give him all the time in the world to pass the ball into because the back of the net. It, it's, 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 it's annoying stuff. It, it's, it's, it's elementary. Like, these are things that you cannot coach. And when people say that we need... Because I'm like, even... The, I've seen all the lesser teams to us in the Premier League. I mean, if you say... If, even if you say we're the worst team in top six, even the bottom... The bottom... 14 teams, you don't often see them consider kind of goal where they just watch some average team pot striker just take all the time mm. in the world to call all into the far corner of the net. They don't do it, but the only ones that do it, I don't understand. It, 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 it's, it's baffling. I, I honestly don't know how to explain those goals. I don't. I don't. Because yeah. if somebody yeah. sort of takes responsibility, neither of those goals happen. True. True. They're, they're really, really very avoidable goals. So just to, just to follow through on, on the game, we then scored, even though we've talked, we've talked about both of their goals already, but we then scored from the penalty. And this is a conversation that we need to we need to have as well. Miss Ozil took the took the the free kick that led to the pen, the, the handball and the, the 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 penalty was awarded to us. And um Obama Young steps up steps up to take the penalty and we lost it at first because he took what I consider a very obnoxious type of... So, uh, I, 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 
agree sure when you say that this quality of a penalty, the quality of a penalty is when it goes into the box. But no, the quality of a penalty is not when it goes into the box. The, when it goes into the net, rather, the quality of a penalty is in its in in if 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 it gives the keeper the least possible percentage to have ever saved it. That's how you know a good penalty. Not the fact that because penalties are basically decisions that a keeper takes, right? But when it could be a good penalty is one that even when the keeper takes a good decision, you still hit it like a hurricane penalty. You you can people a good penalty is any penalty that has in it. I'm like, no, at all. No, it's not over. That second pe- that the, the the goal eventually scored. I'm like, why did he take the first penalty like that? Why exactly? Why do you so have- he has the ability to do it. Why doesn't he do it? Uh, the, the thing is that you know I'm not even quite sure why why Aubameyang is our designated penalty taker. I feel like like I said, is the, I, I mean I prefer Aubameyang as a striker, but I feel like mm. um is the better penalty taker. I, I feel like like I said, should take those penalties when they are put on the pitch. I do not know why who gave gave um because I'm like I've seen him. I remember a game against Man City last year where he missed the penalty, like a penalty. I remember the one against mm. Pauls, like a penalty. I, I'm like, yeah. it's one thing for you to take a very good penalty and let the let the keeper do some proper work in saving it. Not that yeah. he puts it at the perfect height for a keeper, and I'm like, why? Is anybody having a word with him that, bros, what kind of penalties are you taking for us? It, it, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, I, I feel like that penalty that I eventually scored with is the best penalty Obamanga has taken for Arsenal since he joined. I, I do not know why he, he claims that lame penalty. He, he's never in the corner and he's always at the right mm-hmm. height. Yeah. Never even a exactly. Like, That's the thing. He's always at the right height for the keeper to save him. Right height. Close to center, I I never. And the thing is that even his, how do I put it? Watch those penalties again. Watch his starting position. He starts, he starts right in front of the ball. How do I? I don't know how to explain it. He doesn't stand. He's a right footer, right? So he, he should stand yeah. to the left of the ball. Most people stand to the left of the ball if you're a right footer, or to the right of the ball if you're if you're a left footer. Obama stands yeah. dead center. Then he does one. <laughs> On the run where he, he, he does like he's a snake. I don't get it. I, I'm confused. <laughs> confused. <laughs> okay. In any way, we so we can we can go on the the he, he scored he scored the penalty again after it was it was it was retaken. Thankfully, one one. We then proceeded to concede the second goal, which we have already spoken about. It, there's no excuse. I think the system was to blame for the second goal as well because. Chambers had, because of the way, and that's the thing about the structure of the team, because of the the, the responsibility that we have with uh, Obama Yan not being like in the center, I don't think if mentally Obama Yan was supposed to be on the right or was supposed to be on the left. So Chambers had this responsibility to cover the whole of that right wing alone. He was so far off. I think he was outside, the, he was uh, ahead of the, the halfway line when that ball went past him. And there was a whole lot of space for the for the, the for for Cladwell to run into, but that's a game. That's a goal that the system allowed to happen. From the way I say, because if you had a if you had a, a clear um, right-sided player who had the rest, who, who who also was defensively aware, Chambers wouldn't have to be that perpetually high up. 
that would create the space that was behind him that we considered from. So the thing is, I can even excuse Chambers being that high up. I mean, people are starting to use, if you look at um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and um, Robertson, you can use yeah. your fullbacks as attacking weapons, but you have to find yeah. a way to mitigate that space. We don't. If, mm. you, if you want Liverpool make their fullback that high up the pitch, if you watch, next time you watch a Liverpool game, watch Henderson's position, watch Wijnaldum's position. They are, they are practically covering the half space in case if, this, if, we, if we lose the ball in transition, I can fill into that position. I've seen it, I've, I've watched like two or three of their games where that was all I was watching out for. And they mitigate up until those guys can fall back. But we just let everybody fly up the pitch. No cover, no way to mitigate what happens if we lose the ball in transition. Is is forward ever, backward never. We just leave it to faith. If we lose it, well, to God be the glory. It's, 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 <laughs> I agree that in that case, it's a system, it's a system, it's a system problem. You can't have mm. your fullbacks go that high up the pitch and not have any, any way to, or, or maybe, you know, it doesn't even have to be something clean. Your, your plan could be, you know, start doing fouling. So if I see that my, my, my fullbacks are, took, are caught too high up the pitch, I take the, I take the foul, take the yellow card, if I need to take yeah. the yellow card. We don't have any plans for any te- tactical fouling. We don't have any plans to have anybody drop into that space if you lose the ball in transition. We just leave it to fix. We did it under Asenwenga. We did it under Onaimri. Lumberg has continued in that trend. I don't get it. But I mean, um, Asenwenga had a good, had a good say in, um, in Lumberg's football, football upbringing. So I can't really say I'm surprised. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll watch him at Brighton and see what he comes up with. Yeah. That, that idea of playing both of them. See, somebody said any formation that takes, I, I can't even recall who it was. I was reading something. I think it was said, takes, Yeah, I think it was more. Any any formation that takes um that takes uh, Obameyang to the wings is not is not what is is what I don't see uh, who told all of our managers that they had to play the two of them together. Send no, no, the problem, no, the problem the problem is that irrespective of where Obama Yang plays, he scores. That's the thing. So it marks it's it's um it's like a sellotape over a, a problem. So you have Obama Young that irrespective of where you play him, he scores. Like today, we're all saying that he shouldn't have played where he played, but the dude got two goals today. So you have someone that can score irrespective of where he plays. And then you have someone who can score again from, 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 from a number nine position. So you want to maximize both of them. That's what they try to do. But it's, it's a masking tape. It's, it's like you have a wound, right? And then you're covering it with 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 a with a with the with the masking tape the wound isn't healing but you're just covering it that's what we're doing so the thing is that we played the front three today and we played two of them out of position what kind of what kind of masking over the paper over the cracks is that you play mm. ozil left i, I feel like yeah. of all the positions closely that's probably i mean ozil on the left okay but he, he keeps coming in field. So, of course, you need Colasana to constantly go on the overlap. So, I mean, he, he makes yeah. the team lopsided. Yeah. Obameyang on the right. He, oh, oh, why? See, 
I want to ask a question. Is there something against playing Martinelli left, Pepe right, Ozil at 10, and I think that, in their opinion, is too attack-minded, and I don't understand how mm. it is. Too- See, more. I, I say more. Simon, I've always said something. I feel like every team should have, in your attacking quartets, right, every team should have two creative players, right? One yeah. pure goal and another person that can probably be a creative player or can also be a goal scorer, right? Yeah. When, you play, when you play Willock as 10, Willock is not, not very creative. I like him. He has a lot of spirit, but he's not very creative. Mm-hmm. So when you play yeah. Willock as your 10 and you play two strikers, it means that you're saying that once Ozil doesn't create, that's all. You leave it to mm-hmm. your fullbacks. Why? Yeah. How about you play Ozil? As I've, I, 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 have we had any game this season where Ozil and Pepe started together? I can't recall. I can't. So Watford, Watford, Watford away. Yeah, I missed the first half of that game. I didn't watch it up on the second half. I, I didn't watch it up on the second half. And we leading that game to the half time. When we leading that game to the half time. I can't remember I exactly. Was... I think maybe we were drawing or something. I can't remember. No, no, no. We're, we're leading to zero. They came back now. They came back to two. I'm like, even if even if we think that that is too attacking information, right? Especially maybe mm-hmm. away from home, then away from home isn't even where play strikers. If you played one of them and played maybe um, Race Nelson or something, but don't unbalance the team by by going around with two strikers. I, I don't see how you fit in. I don't see any formation that lets you fit in Aubameyang and um, and Lacazette without without lopsided in the team. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What exactly makes Lacazette undroppable? I, I mean, how many goals has he scored this season? Three, four. I'm, I think, I'm, I, think I'm, a, I think it's he's a big personality in the dressing room, slim like Aubameyang, and then the coaches try to accommodate these personalities. That's what they do. We, we leave, so I'm not saying Benjamin every, but you have a record signing that you're draining the morale out of every. In fact, how, how is how is um how is Raul even letting this happen? I mean, you have a record signing on the bench. You've only paid like ten percent of his of his of his fee, yeah. and, <laughs> and you're letting his morale and his. When are we going to the substitutions? Because I feel like that is where I go upset this afternoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's where, that's where we, we go to the substitutions and we close afterwards. Yeah, so that's where we are now. So the substitutions, he didn't make one till the 78 minutes. If, if there's nothing uh-huh. more classic uh-huh. after we get uh-huh. than uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's uh-huh. it. Apple doesn't fall far from the trees. <laughs> At all. <laughs> Honestly, I think they have time substitution. So I'm like, okay. Then you wait until the 70th minute, and your first sub is Torreira for Willock. Oh, for, for and I'm like, okay, this is the ghost of um, Una Emery still haunting you because I feel like that was the nail in, in um, Emery's coffin. The moment <laughs> Frank, he had all those options on the bench and he chose to bring on Torreira. But I'm like, okay, mm. maybe 
I can if if he did Torreira for Gwendozi, I won't have been so upset. But Torreira mm. for Lock even makes us more defensive. That's one. Mm. Yeah. What what is this Saka love? Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it's I think I think it's unfair to yeah but I agree with you. Martinelli is a much better player than or a much more developed player than Saka. That's 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 the way to put it. And um I really don't understand it myself. Saka's a good player. Let's not Saka Saka's a good player. When last did Saka have a good game for us, please? Didn't Saka create the chance that we the Frankfurt goal, didn't he do that? He had a hand in the Frankfurt goal, I think. Um, the goal Abamayang scored. No, I'm, I'm wrong. That was Martinelli crossing from the right. But uh, no, no, okay, that was Martinelli. That's not that was not Saka. Okay, okay. So go on, go on. I feel to see. I like him. I mean, I think he's Nigerian, right? So I mean, that's even extra bias for me to like him. But how he gets off the bench. What does Saka give you that Martinelli cannot? What is direct running? Uh, and the, the fact that he's even a... I feel like if they play Saka on that left-hand side, they're going to kill his talent totally. He he plays like he's an inverted winger playing on the on his correct flank. Like what I mean is, imagine playing Robin on the left instead of the right. I don't know why they keep playing him on the, mm. on the right. I don't know why nobody has even tried to switch. Like... What day was that? Was it against Frankfurt? Yeah. Where they played he and Martinelli, and then they, yeah. he played Saka Martinelli, right? And I'm like, yeah. isn't this, shouldn't you just be this obvious swap? Put Martinelli on the left, put Saka on the right. I don't get it. And no, no, no. no. Like, like uh, what's his name? Pepe, Pepe is a left-sided, left-footed player, and he plays from the right. But not everybody is going to be rubbing. Not everybody's going to be Robin, really. I don't think where he's um, played, I don't think where he's played is a problem. Except, no. See, Simon, except your game plan is, is to be, if you're a dribbler, how many dribblers do you see that play on their actual flank? Like, look at Hazard, look at, um, look at Pepe. Robin, um, look at Pepe. They always play yeah. on the other wing on, on on the on the inverted side they don't play left footed players don't play on the left right footed players don't play on the right look at yeah, yeah uh, because it, it helps you to cover the ball you put the ball on the other side of your feet and then you cover you hide the ball and then you can do more with it when you're if you're if you're doing that but not everybody's gonna play like that i don't think the problem is i don't think the problem with 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 saka is the fact that he plays on the left i just think it's easier to introduce saka into a game if we are winning the game rather than when we are chasing it because he's young. Winning, losing, drawing, Saka should be back with his friends in the under 20. No, that, that's harsh. No, that's harsh. I'm not, that's harsh. No. He had that space. I think he had the Europa League game. See, the thing is that all of you have this thing you do where it takes you, you find an opinion of a, of a player in the first two, three games and it takes you forever to change their opinion. You people have done it with Gwenduzi. Yeah, I didn't know Saka currently. Saka has been bad for us for like two months. Apart from that first three, four game stint when he was like a breath of fresh air, Saka has been dead average. 
you need to watch next time Saka plays so that you can see what I'm saying. I, I like him. He's young. I mean, you have his ups and downs. How are you bringing mm. him off the bench before your record sign? Is Pepe that bad in training? Exactly. No, so that's, so that's a question. No, so, so that's what I'm saying. So we can't, we can't, if you put Saka against Martinelli and then you put Saka against Pepe, then it's inexcusable the fact that he's been brought in. That's on the coach, not on Saka. It doesn't make him a bad player. It's on the coach who's taking that decision to say that you have Martinelli, who's uh, who's more developed, and you have Pepe, who's obviously a, a much bigger player, a much bigger personality, a better player, a more groomed player. If the coach is doing it on the coach, not on Saka, it doesn't make Saka a bad player. It just means that he's, he's, he's been thrown into a an environment where the responsibility to perform is higher than his current ability. That's what it is to me. The thing is that the, the, the few times I watched and maybe maybe there's some psychology involved in Pepe staying on the bench that I, I, I don't understand. But the few times, those games that Pepe played steady, I felt like his biggest problem was that the, the prior tag was weighing too heavily on him. Mm. He was trying to, I mean, was trying to force shots, was trying to make dribbles where he should just pass. He was getting mm. abandoned on the right. Yes, but I feel like how is the solution to that to leave out, I, I saw a tweet from Squawker after the game. In the last like eight games, I don't think I don't think Pepe has up to 90. Okay, okay no, got 90 minutes away against um, Victoria Gumares or whatever they are called. But that's is only 90 yeah. minutes in the last eight games. Record signing. We're not in December yet. Yeah. Ah, no, it's, it does, it's, it's inexcusable, to be honest. It's inexcusable. I, I, there's no, except they're looking at some data in the in the training. They're looking at some data on the pitch, um, and it's pointing to some some weakness. There is no excuse why he's not playing that I can see, uh, except it's some data-driven decision making. Any data that supports you putting Saka before Pepe, you should you should trash that data analytics. <laughs> 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 so, I'm serious. So, okay, okay, okay. Let's round up. Let's round up. So, um, just to close, just to close, what do you think Jumberg has has learned from this game that you expect him to change, um, with the game against Brighton, especially because we play at home? Um, first of all, don't that playing narrow thing doesn't work. Uh, so. I hope he has learned that, you know, that three holding midfielders thing. I, I cannot recall a time when it has worked for us. I'm pretty sure that there will be a different kind of coach that will be able to make it work. But at home, can he please not start with three holding midfielders? I, I, there is no reason for it. If well, you just describe Saka as not a holding midfielder, so why would you put him in that box again? You just said Saka isn't a holding midfielder. The way he plays. So maybe that's how he sees it as well. Doesn't he start in a holding midfield? So the fact that he's your central midfielder doesn't mean your your ball playing your ball playing midfielder has to be a central midfielder. If you have one, he has mm-hmm. to, he's like um, Jorginho is like um, who else can I say? Sergio Busquets is like they're all CMs, yeah. they're all DMs or what they want to call. They're them. occupying but, the I same mean, they're space part- on the pitch. Yeah, same space on the pitch. So can you not play? Three of them. Can you play? Like honestly, if he's not playing, if he's not playing, Ozil as a ten, and maybe he should play 
Palestine is not playing Ozil as a 10. It should just play them as two out at home. Rather than play three of them for that, it should play them as a it should play them as a two. Like, like if he's not going to play, if he's not playing three of them for that, if he wants to play those two, it's two strikers. You should play them as a two. Don't play one off the wing. Let them play like two number nines and then play a four two two two. Don't do that three holding me for that thing. Actually, not at home against who are we playing? Brighton. Brighton, yeah. It's not. Brighton actually did. Brighton played very well against Liverpool. Actually, I watched the game yesterday and, and should be worried. Liverpool recently and they've all been getting beaten. I don't understand what Liverpool is doing. I don't. It's exactly. like they, they, that's true. Actually, that's true. Yeah. Like, love. Everybody's decided that is their is their time. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I hope we don't need to play three holding midfielders at home. I just see Pepe start, and I hope he doesn't do it with the high pressing. Because I'm like, if there's any team you should high press again, it should it should be the, the lower the lower teams in the league. They don't. Yeah. Their, their defenders are not sophisticated that they they can beat your press. So hurry them mm. to making decisions. Let them give the ball position back to you as as quickly as as possible. I mean, so I hope to not see three Odi midfielders. Honestly, I hope this is just one of our strikers. My my ideal formation in that game, he plays Ozil as the ten. He plays Jaka Torreira, Ozil, Pepe, Martinelli, and Aubameyang. I, I I hope that's what he does, and I hope he doesn't give up on our on the pressing that he used he, he used today. Otherwise, I mean, we'll just give Brighton a game that we shouldn't be giving them. So, so as we close, I just saw that just saw Jumberg's um, comment on on Pepe, and then he goes um, so on on the decision to bring on Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli instead of Nicolas Pepe. He says Pepe is a very good player, but I looked at what we did in training and what I see every day, and that is how I judge it. So there's something uh, you're seeing and that we are not seeing. I don't understand it. I, I, I'm very sorry. Um, so um, Bloomberg. No, it's a, it's a bigger question. It's a bigger question because whatever they're seeing in training, they saw before they acquired him, right? So are they learning things about Pepe now that they didn't see from the data before they bought him? So it's it's a, it's a, it's it's inexcusable. You can't you can't say we are seeing things now. If we scouted the player, identified him, and said that they were made, made efforts to get him, and then place, um, were willing to break transfer records to sign him, and then he comes in, and then we say we're both coaches, two coaches we have now are saying they are saying things that there's something wrong either with the way we are scouting him, we are scouting him, or something wrong with the approach that we have as to how we want to use him. It's 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 Guinness. I've been crying for finally proper for at least five years. You may forget we signed one, and everybody's saying that there's some data that they are saying that doesn't support some some something is it's upsetting me. This is making me because I'm like, are you saying that what you are saying is so bad you rather play a your center forward out wide in this position or play your your best number ten on the left? I mean, what is the data that bad? Can't you find a way around? Mm. I I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's the manager for now, so okay. But I mean, no, that, that they should find a way around it. Whatever they need to do to skew that data in the right direction, they should, they should get to doing it. It's up. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where we close.
on the pod. I have to go to sleep. <clears throat> so thank you, um, Mastermind, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And speaking to you is always, always insightful with your heavily stereotyped opinions. <laughs> it's always nice to talk to you. Um, so thank you for coming on. Mastermind is Adeda Mola and he's at Mastermind1808 on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Simon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, cheers. So everybody, hi, thanks. So I hope you have a good day, um, whatever you are. We, we like, there's nothing we can say, basically. We've dropped points again, and uh, we go again against Brighton on the Freddie Jumberger. We can only hope for the best. So uh, cheers. Um, I'll leave you with uh, Tupac, something never changed. Yeah, what? We have as our permanent manager. No, I, I didn't hear the question. You're breaking. Of all the, of all the player, of all the coaches we've gotten linked with for the permanent for the job on a permanent basis, who will you go for? I think if we have to make the decision now, I would go for Mauricio Pochettino. If we have to wait till the summer, I'll go for Brendan Rodgers. Okay. That's how. All right. Cheers. We'll close. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. In the morning and I ask myself It's life worth living, should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch Cops give a damn about a negro Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero Get it back to the kids, who the hell cares? One less hungry mouth on the welfare First ship them, don't let them deal with brothers Give them guns, step back, watch them kill each other It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead I got love for my brothers, but we can never go nowhere Unless we share with each other we gotta start making changes Learn to see me as a brother instead of two distant strangers And that's how I was supposed to be How can the devil take a brother if he's close to me? Uh. I let it go back to when we played as kids But then change, and that's the way it is Come on, come on That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah
just the way it is.